0: So please stand. What I want you to do is go find, and don't go until I give you all the instructions, go find somebody that perhaps is new to you or you haven't talked to for a while. Introduce yourself and tell them your interpretation of what you just saw on the screen. Ready? Go. That's great. Thank you. Some of you, your interpretation was this, that he was happy because it was rain and not snow. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. Okay, so that looked really simple. But the problem is we're not stick figures, and we normally can't solve life's storms in one minute and 38 seconds. But there is a truth in there that is astonishing. And it's this that somehow sacrifice is an entree into joy. But that's really tough for us to grasp. We don't buy into that because, quite honestly, we are naturally self focused, self serving. I am. I mean, for example, Watch me as the gate agent announces boarding by zones. She will announce pre-boarding. I will grab my stuff and I will move toward the gate. Are you pre-boarding? No, I am maneuvering. I get in my place and I wait. She announces elite flyers and first class. I move a little closer. She then announces zone one, and I nonchalantly move to a strategic spot, waiting for a strategic move. She announces zone two, because you see, I'm in zone three, so here is zone two. They get in place, and I get ready to pounce. Because there is, as the line dwindles down... There is this opportune moment that as the line dwindles down, you can scurry in behind zone 2 before they announce zone 3. Why? To beat all those other people. Why? Overhead bin space. I'm not paying for my baggage. And so I scurry into place. Now... My wife, Pam, doesn't like me to do that. So when we travel, sometimes she moves slowly just so other people can get in front of me. I think that is wrong and very mean. In fact, I think that she would like me to wear a bracelet that says WWJB it would look something like this, I think. We got it, guys? We don't have it. WWJB, when would Jesus board? <laughs> I'm not going to wear that bracelet because I am self-serving. So this whole thing about where we as a church, as a community of faith, have, have focused ourselves and where we're heading. And and what we have listed in your service folder, and you can read it later for the last three weeks so that everybody will have a chance to peruse through that. And what we've talked about for these last two weeks as we're walking through this letter of Paul the Apostle to the first century gathering of believers in Jesus in the city of Colossae. That thing we call Reveal Jesus, it will take me and you an amount of sacrifice to actually achieve the three actions necessary to reveal Jesus. To love Jesus, to love the people that are close to us, and love the community that's outside of us, and especially the community that may be anti my thoughts, my beliefs, my values, my actions. And for me to achieve that, it's going to take an incredible amount of motivation to move through that sacrificial process that God calls us to. So I'm just going to just say it straight out to you. For us to do this will require sacrifice on behalf of everyone who walks with Jesus. It's what Paul the Apostle was telling his friends in Colossae when he wrote to them, because you see, when he was writing to them, he was in prison, He was in prison for revealing Jesus in a place where there were so many gods. And when he said Jesus is the only God, it offended them because he said it's not Mars, it's not Apollos, it's not Athena. And so they threw him in prison. But he said, it's worth it for me to be in prison because of what this Jesus has done for you. And so he lists it in the very beginning of his letter, Colossians 1, 13, and he says this, "'For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness.'" and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Ever been to Chick-fil-A? You go to Chick-fil-A, and you go to the counter, and you order your food. They give you your food, and you say thank you. Now, one of my pet peeves when I go into a place that's either a store or restaurant And they do something, and I say, thank you. When they give me the response, no problem. I'm thinking, what do you mean no problem? It's your job. It shouldn't be a problem. So I love the response at Chick-fil-A. When I say, thank you, do you know what they say back? My pleasure. pleasure. I love that. My pleasure. If you are going to exist within the kingdom of Chick-fil-A... You have got to come to an understanding that serving is a pleasure. It must be seen in your verbiage and in your actions or you're out of the kingdom. It is a defining characteristic of that kingdom. Now, Paul the Apostle is doing a whole lot more than serving chicken. And what he says is this, everything I'm doing, I want you to know that that serving is my pleasure why why is serving a pleasure and this is where he he grabs hold of us now and it becomes intense because up to this point what we've studied is this he says grace and peace to you oh man pour on the grace pour on the peace the stuff that God wants to give us and then he tells us that Jesus is supreme and we discovered how incredibly supreme Jesus is in this world and what he did for us and and the forgiveness of our sins that is wonderful now Paul says to me Jack Reisner Better get your nose plugs because we're going in the deep end. This is going to separate the casual from the fanatical. This is going to separate the religious from the intense follower, and it's this. Christ in me anticipates Christ through me. It's a defining characteristic of the kingdom of Jesus. You've prayed the prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What's the next part? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now, how many of you, when you pray, you actually mean it? Is that it? Let's try it again. How many mean it when you pray? Had me worried. In that case, don't pray for me. (laughs) Understand when we say, Come, your kingdom be done, your will, or Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We, in essence, are saying this I want in. Inviting God's kingdom is positioning ourselves to be the expression of that kingdom. Asking for his kingdom is not like ordering cheese at Olive Garden. And you notice we're in a 40-day fast, and I've already used two illustrations of food. You can guess why. <laughs> but you go to Olive Garden, and they'll come up with that big thing of cheese, and they'll go, you want it on the salad? You want, you want, it, you want it on your lasagna? You want it on your head? I'll put it anywhere you want it. And they're just, they're just cheesy all over. So you can say, I want it there, but I don't want it there, but I want it there, and I don't want it there. You can't do that with God's kingdom. You can't say, okay, God, I want your kingdom here and here. When you pray, come your kingdom, be done your will, you are saying, here I am, and wherever I go, let your kingdom just flow through me because where you're in me I'm now anticipating you will flow through me and so when I pray that prayer it's not an isolated over there take care of that and over there take care of that it's here I am flow through me and take care of this that's why Paul goes on to say to his friends in in Colossae these words Colossians 124 now I rejoice in what was suffered for you and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body which is the church and we hate that I look at that on a go. Fill up your afflictions. Best for Paul. He said, I become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of of this mystery. And read these these next two lines with me. Ready? Which is Christ in you, the hope Say it again. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This takes us to a new level of which we better anticipate. It's Paul saying, take your little membership card, stick it back in your pocket, and now roll up your sleeves because it's time to do something. But what the something is is not natural for us to do. So it's going to take some extreme motivation. Rick Graziano, when's your birthday? March 4th. 4th. Everybody write that down. Okay, Rick, let's say it's March 4th, you come home, and Kim's there waiting for you, and so you get in, and she says, trust me, and she blindfolds you, ushers you back out, and puts you in the car, and you start driving somewhere. What are you anticipating? Something good. Something good. It's your birthday. She has blindfolded you. She's put you in the car. What do you think is going to happen? Uh, really like. She's going to take you someplace you really like. Probably a surprise party. Let me ask you now. So, so she takes you and there's a surprise party and it's been wonderful and you get all sorts of gifts and it's just been a wonderful thing. And, and the last gift she gives you is you get a trip to Cancun baby so you get ushered into the plane you take off you go to Cancun and you're you're having fun in Cancun and you guys are out shopping in the marketplace and and maybe in some places that are just a little bit risky and suddenly four guys come up to you blindfold you and whisk you away what are you anticipating? something bad something Something scary See, this whole thing of serving and sacrifice because it is so foreign to us is in many ways a blind alley for us. Because our our flesh is saying, don't go there because it may not be good for you. Don't head that way. And so when we get blinded by Jesus in many ways saying, come trust me and come serve, come sacrifice, we've got to understand that our ability to accomplish that is dependent upon the relationship with the person who blindfolded us. Because if we don't trust that person, it's a scary proposition. But if we do trust this one, we can relax. So Paul says, here is this one who is supreme. I just told you that. I told you how he came to us, and he, by his own blood, died for us, put us in a place that is blameless before God, to live with him forever and ever. That is the one who is asking us in many ways to blindly go through in this serving. And so as I'm in this prison, and as I, and you can read all the stuff that Paul went through through his life, through shipwrecks and beatings and nakedness and and hunger, and he said, in all that time, blinded by where I was headed, but trusting the one who put the blinders on me, I rejoice in my suffering. The word is I am cheerful in my suffering because I know something good is happening down the road. That keeps me motivated. So I want to I say to us today that if we're going to do this thing with Jesus and reveal him, That there will be those moments that we suffer and I want us to understand that our suffering can be cheerful and should be cheerful and I want to give you three reasons that Paul shows us in this passage we're looking at this morning and the first is this. We are finishing what Jesus started. So I'm going to ask you a question. I do want some responses. What did Jesus do for you? Many of you are here and you've had a faith walk with Jesus and he's done some astonishing things for you and so I'll tell you what he did for me. He he helped correct this, this perfectionism in my life that was so legalistic that I was killing myself trying to please everybody. I'm still walking through it, but he saved me. He also saved my marriage because I tried to put that on my marriage. So what, is, what has Jesus done for you? Bob, what did Jesus do for you, dude? He, he saved me out of a life of sin. Okay, out of a life of sin, and I know his story. It's intense. Give me some specifics. What did Jesus do for you guys? Somebody... He gave you financial wisdom when you were irresponsible with your money. Cool. Somebody else. Look at you people. What's that? I brought me closer to my you closer. Where are you? Up there. Closer to your family. Thank you. Somebody else over here. Me from fear and worry. From fear and worry. showed me how to be a man that was not abusive or violent. Incredible. Yeah. He saved your life. Really saved your life. Amazing. He healed your husband of stage four cancer. He cool. Brought you closer to your mother. Phenomenal. You see, we could go around here and hear some incredible stories because I know a lot of your stories. Do you know that there are a bunch of people sitting in here right now that they hear that but there's not a connect with it because they're not sure, but they've never been exposed to the fact that Jesus could do that. And there are a whole lot of people outside this gathering who have no idea that Jesus does that. So Paul says what we've got to do is that in the process of revealing to the people around us that Jesus does those things, we may come to a place in that process of revealing that, that we're in a position where we begin to suffer. We're going to start lacking something or the person's not going to respond nicely. They're going to respond in a negative way. It may cost us something to give in the process of revealing Jesus to those people. That's why Paul says, I fill up my life with these afflictions. And and it doesn't mean, because he goes on and says, he says, "I I suffered for you and I fill up my flesh in what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. What's lacking in Christ's afflictions? You mean that he was hanging on the cross and he got to the time, he said, you know what, I've had enough of this, I'm getting out of here and you guys can finish up. Is that what he did? No, he did everything he's supposed to do. What it means is this, he calls us, Paul calls us, the body. You heard that phrase, the body? So what are we? The body of Christ. We are, we are the body of Christ. So if we are the body, who's the head? All right, Jesus is the head. Now stay with me. If we are the body and he is the head, and he still has work to do, and when he was here on the earth in flesh, he suffered as he revealed his kingdom to people because it put him in positions where he had to suffer because of the process of revealing Then he says, you are now my body. So how many of you are followers of Jesus in this place? Okay, then how many of you are the body of Christ? Okay, so here's the deal. If you're the body of Christ, he is still functioning and still revealing himself, and therefore we are still in a place that we will suffer. It is the way that he wants us to finish his work. So, I I just can't say it any more plainly. If you're revealing Jesus, there will be the moments that you suffer and you must anticipate it. It's going to be there. But you can find joy in it. So last week I reviewed a little bit of the story that I've told in the past years that I've been here about my Uncle Robbie. Robbie Reisner was a prisoner of war in Vietnam for seven and a half years, The commanding officer there for many years. I told you a little bit about his story last week, but I, this is what I didn't tell you is a follower of Jesus, and just weeks before he was shot down the second time, which then he was captured, he was in prayer talking to Jesus and said, I'm not the man I'm supposed to be. I'm not doing really what you want me to do, so whatever it takes, do that so that I can do what you want me to do. Wow. He said that when he bailed out of his his jet, and was floating down and looked and saw the Vietnamese moving in towards the rice paddy where he was going to land and his parachute, he looked back up to his parachute and he said, okay, God, this is your answer. So I'm ready, whatever it is. Do you know that the seven and a half years that he was there under torture and for three years in solitary confinement so extreme that he would bend his body down at an air vent in the floor and contort his body so that he could look through the sheet metal of the vent in a pinhole and see a blade of grass. And by seeing that blade of grass, he knew there was life out there. Not once in all those seven and a half years, not once did he ever ask to be removed from that prisoner of war camp because he said, Jesus had me there. These are his own words. You have the quote. To make it, I prayed by the hour. It was automatic, almost subconscious. I did not ask God to take me out of it. I prayed he would give me strength to endure it. And when it would get so bad that I did not think I could stand it, I would ask God to ease it, and somehow I would make it. He kept me I could not have existed if I had not been able to pray and to be able to mention the names of my wife, children, friends, or relatives, or one of my fellow POWs, who I knew was being tortured or mistreated, brought us together. The thousands of miles, the walls of my cell, the guards were all transcended by the dimension of communication. God wanted Robbie there to reveal Jesus. No matter what it cost him no matter how much he suffered. And what was the purpose? Later, Commander Everett Alvarez, a fellow POW, said this. We were lucky to have Reisner. With Captain James Stockdale, we had wisdom. With Reisner, we had spirituality. See, Robbie knew he was finishing some things for Jesus. And he said, it's my pleasure to serve you. The author of the book of Hebrews, talking about Jesus, said this. Hebrews 12, 2. Because of the joy awaiting him, Jesus, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. What joy. Somehow Jesus was able to look beyond that cross and see you. He saw you being healed of stage 4 cancer. He saw you getting financial wisdom. He saw your life getting saved. He saw you learning how to be a father and a husband as not abusive. He saw you, and it gave him such great joy that he could endure the suffering. It was his motivation. The reason you have a relationship with Jesus is because somebody suffered so that Jesus could be revealed to you. Believe me, somebody did to get you there. You just think that somehow you you showed up and, and, and you were watching Billy Graham on TV and that was the deal, or somebody brought you to a small group gathering, or you just came to a church service and that was it. No, 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 no. You need to understand, somebody suffered to get you there. I appreciate the words of theologian John Lightfoot who says the church is built up by repeated acts of self-denial in successive individuals and successful generations they continue the work which Christ began you see Jesus dies he rises again he says to his disciples you got it now and he tag teams them and they go out and they begin to reveal Jesus and they suffer and there are people whose lives are changed and they tag team those people and they tag team the next generation and the next generation and the next generation But in the process, we will suffer. So my question is this, who is waiting for you? Who down the road, because of your willingness to be put in a position where it's uncomfortable and even painful for you in the revealing of Jesus, whose life will you save? Who will come in contact with Jesus this week, next week, three years, five years, 20 years, beyond your generation because of what you're doing? Whatever it takes, we do it with joy because we're finishing his work and because it's my pleasure to serve you. Let me give you another reason that Paul shows us, and it's this, that we are assigned a life place. You're not here by chance. This is an assignment, and it starts with a secret. Now, in 2006, there was a secret that was released by film and book and you may even remember this. This is what it looked like. Throughout history, all the great minds, all the great leaders, all the great achievers, there's something in common. Now the great glimmering of truth can be revealed again. Do you know this secret gives you everything you want? Happiness, health, and wealth. You can have, do, or be anything you want. I've seen many miracles take place in people's lives. Financial miracles, miracles of physical healing, mental healing, healing in relationships. All of this happened because of knowing how to apply the secret. You know what it is it's a secret (laughs) it actually is based upon a book by Rhonda Byrne and the tenet of the book and I didn't read the book I just went online and cheated and somebody told me it's that focused positive thinking will bring into your life wealth health and happiness it's really not something new it's just that if you have the special knowledge you can make it when I, when I first entered into the pastoral ministry in 1976, I went to a conference called Psycho Cybernetics. Psycho meaning mind, cybernetics meaning the guidance system for a missile. That if you get focused, and the mind is an incredible thing, it will bring things to pass. So all you got to do is buy the book, and you're one of the initiated. You can do this thing, you can be some of the elite. See, Paul the Apostle says, that's not, nothing, that's not anything new to me. He said, it's happening in Colossae. There is this mystery, this secret, that if you become part of the spiritual aristocracy and you learn the knowledge that comes from the emanations coming from the perfect God, these special spirit beings that live in planets, and, and if you know the astrological signs, and, you, and, you, and by the way, we have one more now. Did you know that? That the earth has changed on its axis and now they've added another astrological sign because it messed everybody up. You may not be a Sagittarius. I'm sorry, you may have married the wrong person check it out. So you've got these emanations coming from the spiritual being and the weakest emanation created the earth and so we got to work our way back through all these lesser divine and, and lesser perfect beings and gain their knowledge and once we got the knowledge we can become perfect in our life with happiness and wealth and health. It's a secret. Paul says, I've got a mystery for you. You want a mystery? I'll give you a mystery and the word is mysterion which actually means open secret. You say, well, you can't have an open secret. This is an open secret. When I was in college, when Pam and I were first dating, we were coming around to my birthday, so she decided to have a surprise birthday for me. And one day before the birthday, weeks before, we were together, and she said, hand me my purse and get something out of there for me. So I reached in, and there on the top of her purse, inside, was this piece of paper that said, Jack's Surprise Birthday Party. so I didn't act like I knew and I gave it to her and then later after the party I said I already knew and she said how oh, did you know and I said well you asked me to look in your person, I told her and, and so for the next two weeks it was an open secret she thought it was a secret but I, it was wide open to me Paul says I've got a wide open secret and he said in this verse it is it is so rich that every time I look at it it takes my breath away that everything you think that you need in life, that you really truly need and maybe don't even know you need, that peace, that mercy to say that all your mess-ups can be forgiven, wisdom for your finances, all the stuff that you think you need, he said all of that stuff is in this secret, the riches. And he said it's for everybody. Because he said it's even for the Gentiles. And for the Jew to say something's for the Gentile, is a, quite an acquiesce because to, in their mind, Gentiles didn't deserve anything. They were on the bottom rung. But he said, everybody, everybody, no matter who they are, can have this open secret. And what's amazing about that is how desperately we need it. One, one of the, the life stories that just always amazes me is, is Kara, who lived in Gresham, Oregon, Who had a friend she went to high school with. And Kara loved Jesus. And Kara tried to reveal Jesus just by the way she lived. And soon her question, her 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 friend asked questions, and and Kara was able to reveal Jesus to her and what Jesus meant to her and and how to put faith in Jesus. And, And soon this friend put her faith in Jesus and began this journey with Jesus. And so she's at Kara's house, and Bob and Connie are there at the table, and Kara's sister, and and the friend, and they're eating dinner, and just all of a sudden, just out of the blue, her friend puts her fork down, swallows her food, and says this, what if you hadn't told me? What if somebody hadn't told you this mystery? According to what we heard over here, he'd be dead. He might be abusive. She might be still figuring out how to deal with wealth or money or anything. What if you hadn't told me? Here is the mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The deepest hope you'll ever have of connecting with God is found in Jesus. And Paul says, I am a minister who has been commissioned to tell you. And and hear this. You say, well, that's just Paul. No, that's you too, because here's the deal. Minister is the word diakonos, which is the word servant. I am a servant because I am commissioned. And that word commissioned, that word commissioned actually means stewarded, administered administrated. Jesus is saying through Paul that that I have this entire world that I want them to know who I am. I want them revealed and therefore I'm going to take you and you that said that I'm going to be a servant, I'm going to put you in places. I'm going to administrate. I'm going to steward you right where I need you that you may reveal me. You say, well, you know, I live in Erie because I was born in Erie and because I live in the school district, I go to the school district. I gotta tell you, that's not true. I mean, that's true in that sense, but this is what's true. He knit you together in your mother's womb. In the secret place, he formed you and then the scripture says, in Psalm 139, it says that he then recorded your days before you ever lived. He knew that you would be at Fort LaBeouf. He knew that. He puts you there so that you would reveal Jesus in that location. He stewarded you there. He knew that you would be working at GE. He stewarded you there. He knew that you would go by that same clerk at Wegmans because you shop there four days a week. And she knows you. He stewarded you there. We are not in this city by chance. You're not serving in the military and put on that base by chance. God has stewarded you there. And if he stewarded us there to reveal Jesus, I want to tell you that the only way that I'm going to feel total fulfillment for my life is to reveal Jesus where he has administrated me to be. When I walked out of the Idaho State Penitentiary, after spending 48 hours with Keith Wells and walking him through his execution, his penalty for a double homicide. And having him come to know Jesus those months previous and walking him through, walking him through life into death into life, while Pam is with the wife and kids and family Helping walk them through all of this revealing Jesus, revealing Jesus to Keith, giving him his first communion hours before he is to die with what only we could find, which was a dinner roll and some Snapple grape juice. So that when he died, they said, what are your last words? And he looked up and he said, into your hands I commit my spirit. Wherein 48 hours ago, I asked him that and he said, I'm going to flip off the warden. I said, let's talk about what Jesus would do. (laughs) After we went through that process, I so vividly remember getting in the car with Pam, and she said, how are you? I said, for the first time in my life, walking a man from death to life, I understand what I was made for. I could die now being totally satisfied because I got to reveal somebody, reveal Jesus to somebody and it helped walk him into life. You may think getting that PhD will fulfill you. You may think getting married may fulfill you. You may think having that 17th child may fulfill you. You may think getting rid of the 17th child may fulfill you. You may think taking a cruise every other year may fulfill you. You may think going to Phoenix on a day like today will fulfill you. We should try it and see. You may think all those things will fulfill you. I'm going to tell you there's only one thing that will fulfill you. It's what you were built to do. And because you're a follower of Jesus and a diakonos, a servant, made and administrated to reveal Jesus, not until you reveal Jesus to the people around you will you ever, ever, ever be fulfilled. Because that's what you're made to do. So... For some of us, it means I just can't come on Sunday and sit in a pew and come back next Sunday and and nothing else matters uh, during the week. There's no connection. No, 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 no. This whole thing is not a religious exercise. It is a serving, sacrificing deal. Folks, we are in the deep end. Because we are built to serve. We are. We're built to serve. I mean, here's the key Here really is the key to revealing Jesus, this whole thing we're talking about. Colossians 2, verse 2. I want you woven into a tapestry of love. Circle that, tapestry of love. In touch with everything there is to know of God, then you will have minds confident and rest. And I want you to circle minds confident and rest. And a lot of of, uh, scriptures, other, other interpretations of that say encouragement. Focused on Christ, God's great mystery. All the richest treasures of wisdom and knowledge are embedded in that mystery and nowhere else, and we've been shown the mystery. Now, so the NIV, the New International Version, when it says woven in a tapestry, says, really, united in love. That word united in love means to be compact, to be welded. It means us. Look around at the people around you. Just look around at them, smile at them. Smile. Just look at them and say, I like you. Just I like you. If it's somebody really good-looking and you're not married, say, I love you. (laughs) See, that whole thing of us together, united in love, means that that we work through all the issues that keep us so different from each other and find our commonality. We come from such incredible backgrounds and religious walks and, and, and histories and traditions and experiences and opinions. But I means somehow we get connected together. And the best way I can explain that is it's like a mother and a father arguing in the front seat about which radio, sta- or which radio station to listen to, and you're going back and forth, back and forth, back, and you're starting to get mad at each other, and suddenly Junior in back in the, in the car seat starts choking on his Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle action figure, and what happens? You stop arguing, because that doesn't matter. Junior's choking. This scripture means that as we are together, we realize there are a whole lot of people who are choking on life around us, and we got to get to those folks, so we got to stop arguing about the little things inside about what song we're listening to or what time the service starts or whether you like me or not or whether you said hi to me in the, in the, in the hallway or anything else. we got to let that go so that we can go rescue the people who are choking. He said, that's what we're doing. He said, so that we can encourage the people around us, and that word encourage means to walk up next to and say, come with me. Walk with me. So when when that person walks with us, they watch how we love each other, and Jesus gets revealed in that, and they are attracted to him. No matter as we're walking them, whatever their past or even their preference is at this moment. So I sat with a lady in this church who started coming here. She comes from a lifestyle that many of you, and she's presently living, that you would totally disagree with. She says, I'm investigating Jesus, and, and, and honestly, she knows more scripture than a lot of you know. And she said, if I come here, will you kick me out? And if I bring my friends who are like me, will you kick them out? I said, no. If you will promise to walk with me toward Jesus and we'll all obey him as we go, let's walk. She said, I'll come. Because I want her to see Jesus, to have Jesus revealed to her. Now, for that process, you're going to suffer. It's not an easy thing for that to happen. Paul says, I struggle with you. That's what he said in the scripture. The word actually means I wrestle. Because getting you to have Jesus revealed in your life is a wrestling match because there are spiritual forces wanting to blind you, wanting to dissuade you, and fighting against those who would try to reveal Jesus to you. And so we will suffer in the process. I will tell you now if you try to reveal Jesus to someone who does not know him or understand him, you will suffer. You will have to give up something in the process. And he says, I wrestle. And he says, I come to the place that I'm willing to put myself between the evil and you so that you can get Jesus revealed to you. Why? Because I love you. That's my motivation. I want to show you two people. Mary Reed and Emma McMahon. They were second to last in line in the parking lot in the Safeway in Tucson when the gunman opened fire. That's mother and daughter. Emma grabbed Mary, pushed her against a wall, and covered her body. When Mary was first shot, her only thought was, I gotta keep my daughter safe. The gunman was standing two feet away and Mary looked back to make sure her husband and her son were okay. When she was shot the second and the third time, she did not move. For she did not want to expose Mary to that danger. And only after the gunman went down did Mary tell Emma, I've been hit. Now the good news is this, that all three bullets only landed in soft tissue, never touched an organ, a vein, an artery, or a bone. And so she will recover. Knowing that, she says, I'm blessed. But she'll tell you, I'm not blessed because, I mean, it's good that I'm going to get better, but that's not the reason I'm blessed. She said, I'm blessed because my entire family is safe. Love finds joy in putting herself between evil and the one loved. In fact, I believe it's the only way that we ever understand that the deeper the suffering, the deeper the joy Because the rescue is working. So I simply ask you this. Who is it that Jesus is telling you is worth your suffering? Who is it? Then reveal Jesus to them no matter what the cost. Because we're finishing what Jesus started. Because that is our life place. And because... It is my pleasure to serve you. Would you stand? So now, may you take the word of the Lord and give it home in your heart. And may you take the love that he's already placed within you. That this Christ in you now works through you. And in your suffering, may you find joy. In the release of what you thought you had to keep, and in letting it go, may you find love for others. And may you rejoice in the lives that are saved because of your service in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.